got to say a little bit of something. So uh, last night uh, we had a young adults meeting um, and a couple months ago uh, a, a group was loitering out in the parking lot of Walmart <laughs> throwing a football or something and this girl comes walking by and um, long story short they ended up inviting her to church. This girl 
uh, is from Texas. She was just up here kind of on an internship uh, uh, for horseback riding. And, um, and so she came to young adults uh, that one night, and, and we invited her to church. The next night, she thought that it was another young adult kind of a thing, so we tricked her. And, uh, but, but during that, that time here, I mean, God was just working on her. And uh, Mike, when he was preaching, could tell that she was zoned in. And after she was talking to Allison, and she really couldn't even hardly keep her composure. So she's been coming, and, and, and we've been praying. And, um, and we found out that she leaves at the end of this month. So we felt like we were running out of time. Well, last night, uh, after the time in the Bible, she come and she says, hey, can we, can we talk for a little bit? I said, well, yeah. She's like, whenever you have a chance, right now, strike when iron's hot, you know what I mean? So we went downstairs, and, and, and we talked for a long time. And I think I even requested prayer for her at one point. Her name's Sam. And, uh, and we talked for a while, and, and right away she asked, you know, how do I know that this thing is real uh, about God and everything? And and immediately you kind of want to go to some type of logical explanation. Well, let's just put some logic into this thing, how we can explain that this is real and that there was a creator and that there's prophecy and da-da-da-da-da. But as we're talking about this, she keeps on bringing up about how, how she's so thankful that she ran into them that night at Walmart and how when she came to church here that night, how she just felt something that she hasn't felt anywhere else. And... And she said, I could feel the love in the place, and, and something was different. And every time she would talk about those things, she would just start to tear up. And, 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 and as you could tell, that, that God was just on her again. And, and I was like, you know what? That's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's real. When you feel the Holy Spirit nudging on your heart and working on you, I said, that right there is the evidence that you need. I said, what do you want to do? She says, I think I'm ready to get saved. And she got saved last night at Young Adults. She asked the Lord into her heart, and we came upstairs, and we told the group, and they went crazy, and, and we just had a good time. And I'm just so thankful uh, for, for that. I'm thankful. Hey, all it was was an invitation to come out. That's all it takes is an invitation, people, is it, just to talk to somebody and invite them. And there's one more person that's bound for heaven, and I'm grateful for that. And she was talking about this place and the spirit that she felt and the love that she felt. The songs on my heart were standing on holy ground. And if you're here this morning and, and you're, you're questioning whether this whole thing is real, as we sing, as we praise, as we thank God, you start to feel, get some goosebumps on your arms and, and just feel something stirring within you. That's the Holy Spirit just working on you. And I just ask that you be sensitive to that. If you're a Christian here and you start to feel that, why don't you give him praise this morning? Because he saved your soul and he's given you new life. And if you don't know, if you know Jesus and you start to feel that, why don't you grab somebody that's close to you? You probably came here with somebody. If you didn't, I know one guy up here in the front row that would love to speak to you and, and just tell you more about, about this Jesus, this, 
this, this God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us that when we were bound for hell, he gave his life for us. And now we have life in him and, and, and this earth more abundant and eternal in him. And we don't have to taste the judgment because the wrath of God and, and be separated from him. So I just want to sing this song tonight and be thankful for a place. I mean, we had a wonderful service last Sunday morning and to feel his presence. Growing up, growing up in the old church, a bunch of us youth used to sit in the back and uh, I don't know, if Ruth, there's Ruth Rowland. She used to keep us straight back there. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the Lord moving at this church is not a foreign thing, thankfully. But, but as, a, as a younger person, I didn't really understand and appreciate what was happening then. And there was probably other things that I'd rather have done. But I can tell without a shadow of a doubt this morning, there is no place I'd rather be than in a church full of fellow believers worshiping our Savior, feeling His presence, just being in His presence. That's where I want to be. It's cool if you guys are there, don't get me wrong. But if you're not, just being in his presence, that's where I want to be. This morning, we're standing on holy ground. Let's take full advantage of being in his presence this morning.
younger self just to have faith. So many mountains you have moved, valleys you have led me through, and it's only by your grace I'm standing here today. I'm a Tell him it's good to see him today.
I'm going to get our ushers back up here. This is for our building fund offering. We're thankful for what the Lord's been doing. And uh, if, you, uh, if you notice that, you know, it gets a little, little cramped in here on Sunday morning and, uh, and things like that, well, you know, uh, then give extra today. Amen? For the building fund offering. No, we've been uh, making lots of repairs and things like that. We praise the Lord for the facilities that he's given us, but we also want to keep making sure that they're improved. Everything you give in this offering this morning will go to the building fund, and so we thank the Lord for that. And I'm going to ask uh, Jason, if he would, to ask a blessing on this offer. Hey, Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, this building, Lord. We pray now as we take up an offering, Lord, that we would uh, give to your, to your work, Lord, and to, uh, to this place, Lord, that we may keep it fit for your, for your use and in this community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's 355. 355. Praise him. Praise him. special weekend for our family we uh, my brother got married yesterday and that also meant that David and Taylor made their way to come see us oh, yeah so hold on hold on and uh, we thank the Lord for that David's going to preach for us and uh, it's pretty rare it's it's weird how this stuff happens some of you know it but it's pretty rare to get all of the family together David lives in Montana now uh, Trent lives just up the road, and that's we don't we see him occasionally. And then Luke lives in our house, but I feel like I never see that kid. And uh, so getting them all together has been a real blessing, and so we're thankful for that. But I also want Trent and Rachel to stand up, all right, because they are expecting their second child. Amen. And so give them a nice big round of applause. So Bo's going to be a big brother, and so we're proud of that and thankful of that. 
And it's just been a blessing this weekend to have them all around. And uh, what a great week it's been. David has uh, finished his courses at Crown College and all of that, graduated. And now he works in Montana with a Christian camp that's there. And uh, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. They ran summer camps all summer. I'll let him explain some of that. But it is true. The Word of God says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And it is a pleasure uh, to uh, watch him grow in the Lord, all of my children, to watch them serve the Lord, to uh, seek out godly spouses and watch them serve the Lord together. And I don't want to just, you know, uh, uh, make David, but uh, Trent as well, serving in his church with his wife. Uh, Luke, we hopefully he'll serve the Lord. We don't know. No, I'm just teasing. No, he teaches Sunday school here at the church, uh, junior boys, and what a blessing that is. And uh, it's just wonderful to watch them grow up, serve the Lord, know the God that you serve, not because you told them they got to, but because they've experienced his goodness and they desire to walk in his ways, and that's wonderful. And uh, each time David opens up the scriptures and preaches, it thrills my heart. And so we're praying for him this morning as he comes around, opens up the word of God and preaches to us this morning. Man, so thankful to be with you guys today. And if you will, you can go ahead and start turning in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. While you're turning there. I'll just, I will, I'll say a little bit about what we've been doing and how the Lord's been working, and I'm so thankful for just how the Lord has been, turn this on, so thankful for how the Lord has been working in our lives. He's, he's, been, he's done so much, and we've been able to just know, like he said, he's our God. He's our, Taylor and I, we get to serve the same God we're all serving here today. I, we've come to See how he is the same God that's going to provide for us. He's the same God that's leading our lives. He's the same God that has promised all the promises that are in his word. They're for me. They're for you. And I'm so thankful for that this day. But, but as we are out there in Montana, the, while during the school year, we, it is a summer camp, but then during the school year, there's students from the college over at, in Tennessee that come, and they spend a semester there. And they do all their schoolwork online. And then on the weekends, we go and we travel to churches in the Northwest. And what that does is gives them that opportunity to see if the Lord's working on them to, to come to the Northwest and see the ministry that's out there, the, the churches that are out there. Because it is, it's a, a very needy place. There's, there's very few churches that are out there. And the churches that are out there, they are, they're trying to work together. They're trying to do everything they can to encourage each other and to keep knowing that they're not alone in this fight in the, doing what the Lord has for them to do. And we've been so encouraged to meet the people that are out there, that the people that are out there, they are just faithful. They are, they are some of the most faithful people that I've ever met because sometimes when there's no encouragement, they just have to encourage themselves in the Lord. And they have to know how to Keep going and know that there's no doubt that this is what the Lord wants them to do. And that's been so encouraging to see the ministry out there in lives that, in, in a dark place. It is a place where there's, 
spiritual darkness. And there's so many things that are out there that are deceiving, making people have false hopes and things that ultimately will destroy their lives. But these churches that are out there, they are providing hope to people. And the hope that we know only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's been such an encouragement to see that in these, these churches and their ministries. And so I've been encouraged by it. And I've, I know Taylor and I, we've grown to, in the Lord to see how he's working in our lives and how he's doing all that and trying to show us how faithful he wants to be to us as well. And I'm so thankful for that in our lives. We know the Lord led us out there. We do. We, we could see his hand leading us the whole way in everything that he was doing. He, he put it on different people's minds, different people's time, at different times, and he worked it all out for us to be able to go out there. And now he's just been proving it. We've enjoyed so much the, the church that the church home we're able to be a part of. They've just come to take us in as family, as you all had done for me growing up all my life. And I'm so thankful for that because it is so important, the church family, and how much that they mean to us out there as well. But I'm so thankful to be with you all. You all are my first church family. You all are always my church family. And you all are the ones that I learned the scriptures here. I learned that God had a plan for my life. I learned that Jesus died for my sins and that I can know him as my savior and that I can have a life living with him as my savior and my God. And I'm so thankful for that because I, I've learned how much he loves me, how much he has for my life, and how much more I ought to serve him for that. But if you will, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I've really, the Lord's been using this in my life uh, so much. And I just, want to, I just want to bring this message and hopefully we can see what the Lord has for us here. I've been so encouraged by this passage here. And we'll just start by reading these two verses in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for this message that we can read in your word and know that it's for us. Know that you've written your word to us, and this is your message for us this day, Lord. We pray as we come before you, help us to remember all that you are, Lord. You are our creator. You are our God. You are our savior. We thank you for the time we have been able to worship you in song. Help us to continue worshiping you through the, the reading of your word and the listening and the obeying of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us now to be all filled with your spirit, Lord. We pray that you would fill every one of us, that we would know your will for our lives, Lord that we would know your purpose for our lives. Lord, that we would know your love to us and that you would help us to serve you and to give you the glory and honor that you deserve for all that you've done for us, Lord. We pray, Lord, forgive us where we fail you. Rid us of any distractions. Rid us of 
anything in our hearts that would hinder us from hearing from you this day because we know that you, the God of all creation, wants to speak to us at this very moment. And we pray, Lord, you would help us to hear you this day. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm so thankful for this passage here. And as we jump into this section here, we hear some pretty weighty verses here from the Apostle Paul. And this is Paul's testimony. This is. This is Paul's testimony of why he's doing what he's doing. Why he feels that he ought to serve the Lord. Why he feels that he ought to do the things that he's doing. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul, he didn't have an easy life. He didn't. If you turn back with me to chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, we read some verses and we get an idea just about how much Paul was going through, even in the same book of the Bible that we're at. He reads in, we read there in verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And just by those verses there, we get the idea that Paul's life, it was constant suffering. Suffering that you and I, I don't know if we'll, maybe we will ever face in our lives, but Paul was going through all of that for the gospel's sake. He was doing all of this for the gospel's sake. And it says even in verse number 8, that they were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. He came to the point where he was saying, what, what's even worth living for? Why am I doing this? He was, he, I'm sure that's the questions that were running through his mind when he wrote this phrase, we despaired even of life. Life had come to the point where it seemed hopeless. It seemed like there was no answer it seemed like everything that was going on in their life was just leading to despair, it says there. But it says there that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. And we see here, we start to understand Paul's motive, his understanding that even in all of that, he was trusting in God. Even when he didn't know why all these things were happening, he was trusting in God. And all of this, we just get to have an idea more about Paul's life that he was going through. In chapter 2, it talks about, uh, in verse number 4, 
For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, that ye should, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. And all of these things he was going through because he knew God had called him to something. But all of these things where he had come to this point where everything was just seeming so difficult, he'd probably come to that point over and over and over and over and over again where it seemed like everything was hopeless. And, you know, we get the inside story. We get to see that everything that was going on in Paul's life, that the Lord worked it out for his good and for our good and for God's glory. We get to see that, but put yourself in Paul's shoes. He had come, he had come to this point in his life so often where he thought, how am I going to make it? He'd come to the point we read in the Word of God where he had been stoned to the point where some even think that he was dead. Some even that he was left for dead. He had come to that point, and he had been like that and beaten in so many times, and he'd come to that point. Think about your idea when you would be left for dead there. Would you think there was any hope? Would you think there was anything that you were going to be able to do? You would think, Lord, this is the end. You've done what you wanted to do. My life is over. And I'm sure he was wondering all those things, how the Lord was working. But have you and I ever come to that point in our lives where we, it just seems like everything's hopeless, where it seems like there's no answer, there's nothing that we can do where we just ask the Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I, I have no idea what you're doing here. You have to help me. That's where Paul was at in his life. But there was something in Paul's life there was something that kept pushing him on. There was something in Paul's life that he says, no matter all the things that happen to me, I have to keep going. No matter the suffering that I go through, I cannot stop. No matter the things that come upon my life, there's no limit to where I will not keep going. I have to keep going. And we, we understand that this is what Paul is talking about as we come to this passage here. What Paul's motive was, the reason why Paul said, I cannot stop doing what I'm doing, I must keep going, it says, for the love of Christ constraineth me. The love of Christ constraineth me. He said that I can't live unto myself any longer, but unto him that died for me and rose again. Paul said, for all that Christ has done for me, I must keep going. I must keep serving Him. I must keep doing His will because if I do not, I will let down the One that gave His very life for me. That's what Paul is saying here. There's a love that Christ showed to him that no matter what he goes through, that love was greater. No matter all the, the things he was suffering, that love suffered more for him. All that and more is what Paul is saying. He must keep going. Because as we come to this passage, we see a great need here. Look at verse 14. He says there, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. 
Paul is saying here, we all had this sentence of death in ourselves. We all did. Turn with me over to Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. As we understand what Paul is talking about, this death that was in us. Look at Romans chapter number 5. And look at verse number Look at verse number uh, 21 with me real quick. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. That as sin hath reigned unto death. That as sin hath reigned unto death. And back, back in the same chapter here, we read about in verse number, we read about in verse number um, 15, or 12 there. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And we understand here that when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Sin caused this death. And the moment that Adam sinned, this sin was passed on to every single man. That's what it's saying there, as by one man, sin entered into the world. That was through Adam and his sin. And when that sin entered into the world, then the moment that we were born, we were made sinners. That sin, that sin that is in us, it leads to death. It leads to a sentence of death in ourselves. And that death, that sin, it says there, as we read in verse 21, sin hath reigned unto death. The only thing, the only thing that our life in sin brought us was death. Ruin, destruction. That's all. The only thing that that sin brought in our lives is death, ruin, and destruction in our lives. And what we have to realize is that is your and my greatest need, is that we have a sentence of death in ourselves. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior this morning, you have a sentence of death in yourself. There is a sentence upon you this very moment that if you do not get it settled, you will. You will be separated from God for eternity because this sin that is in you is against God. Look with me the same chapter in verse number 8. But God amendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then keep reading with me. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Look at that phrase in chapter 10, or verse 10. Or if while we were enemies to God, you and I, we must come face to face with the fact that in our sin, we are enemies 
to God. The very God that created us. The one that created us for a purpose and for a plan that he has for our lives. That same God, we are enemies unto him because we, in our sin, said, God, I don't want your way. God, I want my way. I do not want to do what you want for my life. I want to do what I want with my life. And at that moment, we became enemies to God because we said, we want what we want. We don't care what our Creator has done. We don't care that He's the one that gave us life. We don't care that He's the one that gives us breath every single moment. And when we do that, we have to realize we are enemies to our God. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, right at this very moment, you are an enemy of the Creator God. We have to come face to face with that. There's no turning away from it. There's no going away from the fact that we have sinned against our Creator God. And that if we do not get that settled, we will be separated from Him. We will be. You know, that need that we have, that need that all of us have, there's this great sentence of death in us. But do you know what that verse says there in verse 8? God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just think about that. Christ, the same God, the same One who was there with God and is God at the same time, the One who created us while we were enemies to Him, while we were against Him in all our sin. And there was a punishment that had to be made for your and my sin. There is, there's a punishment that if we do not accept what Christ has done for us, we will be condemned for eternity, separated from God. This sin that we've committed against our Creator, the One that's given us life, He has every right to, to slam down the gavel and to say guilty. God has every right to say that to you and to me for the things that we have done. But we read here that Christ said, while we were yet sinners, Christ said He came into that courtroom. And when God was right about to slam the gavel down and say guilty, Christ said, I'll take their place. Christ came, and while you and I should have died for the sins that we committed, Christ said, I'll die for them. I will take their place. He did that for you and for me, and not because He had to. Christ was perfect. We have to remember that He's the sinless Son of God. He's the Creator God. Christ and the Holy God, they are one. And He did not deserve any of that, but He said, I will die for them. I am willing to do that for them. Not because we deserved it, but we read, while we were yet sinners, God showed His love toward us. His love is what He showed toward us. While we were yet sinners, He loved us so much that He was willing to die for us. That's what we read here. This great need that you and I have is this salvation. And the love of Christ was willing to take that punishment for us. 
He was willing to do that for you and for me. That's the love of Christ toward us. That He would be willing to do that for us. How much love would someone show? We read in the verses just before, in verse number 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. We, we, we understand there that how often does somebody offer to die for someone else? Think about that. When you and I had every right to be sentenced to death, sentenced to eternity, separated from our Creator for the sins we committed against Him, how, how much Christ loved us to take a punishment that He was not worthy of taking. How much Christ loved us to do that for us. And you know, this is what we're reading about here in, when we go back to 2 Corinthians. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth me. Paul said, This love that Christ showed to me, it is holding me back from sinning against it. It's holding me back from going at, doing anything against this one that showed me so much love. This one that gave his very life for me. I can't sin against him. He's done so much for me. I can't not serve him. He's done so much for me. We, we see that this that great need that all of us have. And do you know what? Paul, Paul's saying here, this love of Christ that is shown to me, he's done so much out of his love that we, all we realize we have to do is Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. That is the only thing that we have to do. Christ has done all that is needed for us to be made right with our Creator. Everything that is needed to be done, Christ has done it. And that at the very moment that we call upon the name of the Lord, we call upon Christ to come, He enters into us. And at that very moment, we're accepting His substitute for our sin that we committed. We're accepting that what Christ did, we can have that as our own. Christ said, the death that I died, it was for you. The death that I died, it was so that you might have life. And all you have to do is just accept it. That's the only thing. The only thing we have to do. And Christ makes that way possible for us. And Paul says, for all that love, for all that love, it's constraining. That Constraining him to do what? Just two things this morning. That henceforth, we read there, that henceforth, uh, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's the first thing Paul says. That now that he died for us, that now that he gave his life for us, we say, I can't live for myself any longer. Christ gave his life for me. No longer can I say I'm going to live and do whatever I want because Christ gave His life for me to do what God wanted to do with our lives all along. God, from the beginning, He said, I created you. From the womb, I had a purpose for you. From the very beginning, I had a plan for your life. And when you strayed away from it, 
You can see now the ruin, the destruction, the death that was upon your life. But now, through Christ dying for us, God says, I can have a relationship with you again. I can show you all the things that I had planned for your life. I can show you that the plan that I had for your life was far greater than you could have ever done for yourself. That's God's message to us now as we accept Christ as our Savior. And now Paul is saying, listen, now that Christ has died for us, now that He's gave His life for us, now that we can have a right relationship with God, he says we can see everything that God has for our lives. We can see the perfect plan that He has for our lives. Like we, we heard about this in Sunday school and we see it from Paul's life. Not that it's a, a, a life without going through things, but it's a life where God says, I'm working everything out for your good. Everything that happens in our life as a Christian, we can know God is working it out for our good so that He can show us He has a plan. He has a perfect will for us. And He says that we can no longer live unto ourselves any longer. You know, He wants to show us that He could he has this perfect plan for our lives. And he wants to show us also that we don't have the power to live a life pleasing to God in ourselves. He wants to show us that. He wants to show us that with Christ living inside of us, with Christ living inside of us, now we can please God. You know why? Because Christ is perfect. Because he's sinless. Because he's the one that the father looked down on and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And by taking his place, him taking our place, now we can please God. Now we can please God. We have the sinless son of God living inside of us at this very moment. Just think about that. And think about that the moment that you were saved, that God gave you every bit of himself to come and live inside of you. He didn't hold anything back. He said, I'm going to give you all of me now. And whenever we want, we can have more and more and more of God in our lives because he's living inside of us. And he says here that we should not henceforth live unto ourselves any longer. He wants us to see that we do not know what we need. We don't know what's best for our life. We don't know what God has in store for our lives. But we have Him living inside of us. And He can show us every step of the way, this is what I have for your life. This is the plan that I had for you. Plans that are good, things that are perfect, plans that are going to work out to you being more and more like Christ. That's what He wants to show us. And He says there, not live unto ourselves, any longer and then he just simply says but unto him which died for them and rose again you know this is a decision we must make it's it's such a amazing thing to think about that even though god is the creator god he's the one that's con in control over everything he doesn't force us to do anything he doesn't that's not who god is He's someone that, that gives us this ability to, to yield to Him, 
so that we can see if we yield to him, he can show us what is perfect for our lives. He can show us what is going to work out best. But do you know what? What we have to do is we have to choose to do that. We have to. It's a choice you and I have to make. And it's a choice you and I have to make every moment of our lives that we're going to say, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for him who died for me and rose again. You know, have we made Christ our goal in our lives? That's, that's what Paul is trying to make us more understand is that we can. We can live to have more and more of Christ in our lives. We can live to know Him more. We can live to see His perfect love, His perfect will for our lives more and more in our lives. Turn with me real quick to Philippians chapter 3. And I just want to look at a passage here really quick. Philippians chapter 3. And just starting in verse number 7. This is Paul writing right here to us again. He says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And this was Paul's heart. This is another testimony of Paul about what Paul wanted what Paul's desire was, what Paul was striving for in his life. He said there that I may know him. He said he counts all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, it's, it's quite the goal to strive after, to know more of the, the holy Son of God, to know more of Christ in His perfection, to know more of Christ in all He is. But do you know you and I have every opportunity to do that as Christ is living in us? Every day we can spend time with Him in prayer. Every day we can spend time with Him in His Word. And God's Word says to us that it, it speaks to us. That His Word is, is living and it speaks to us. God can literally give His Word to us and what He has for us each day in His Word. Through the very words that He's written unto us, we can know what God wants us to know every day. We can let God speak to us every single day. And Paul says that that's what he is striving for, is to know more of Christ in to know more. It says there the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. He wants to know more about this love that drove Him to die for Him. He wants to know more about this One that gave everything, His entire life, 
his entire being for even him. Someone, as we read about Paul, someone that was one of the most chief enemies of Christ. Someone that, that was killing Christians, as we read about the testimony of Paul. Someone that, at the beginning of his, his uh, work that he was doing, he was against God and all that God was doing through Christians. But for him to see that Christ loved even him so much that he would die for him, that he would do all of this for him, he says, I must know him. I must know this one that loves me so much. I must know him, and I must be able to know his will, his plan, and how much he loves me. Christ said, that's what I want for my life. You know, as we, we think about all of this, we, we think about how, how can we live and do this? How can we, how can we be able to say, I'm not going to live my life any longer for myself, but I'm going to live under Him, under Christ who died for me and rose again. You know what? We have to let the love of Christ capture us, don't we? We have to, we have to be in God's Word like we read about Paul wanting to know more and more. We have to know more and more of this love that Christ showed for us. We have to desire to know more about Him, to know more about what He desires for our life because you know He does. He loves us so much. We have to just think about all of that so often because it's a truth. We were enemies to God. We, we shook our fist in God's face and said, I don't want what you want. I know you're my creator. I know you, you've given me life, but I don't care. That's what we were saying when we sin against him. When we go against God's will and his word, we're saying, I don't care what you want, God. I'm going to do what I want. Think about that. That in the sight of God, we were enemies to him. And God had to. He had to turn his face toward, away from us. Because he cannot look on this sin. This sin is against everything that God is. And he said, I have to turn and look away from that. But while we were yet sinners, while we, while, think about all that the, the, they did to Christ when he died for us. They spat on his face. They, they plucked the beard out of, the hair out of his beard. They did all of this. They whipped him. They tortured him. All of this. And Christ said, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to die for you. Christ went through so much agony over that. In Christ's humanity, he didn't want to do it. Think about that. He asked the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. In his humanity, in his flesh, he didn't desire what God wanted. Think about that. But he still did it. He still said, I am still going to die for them. I'm still going to take their place. I'm still going to take the punishment that they deserve. I'm still going to do that because of how much I love them. How much I love them. That's what Christ's love is for us. How much we need this reminder of Christ's love every day. I know I need it every day. That's what Paul said was his motive. And he said, I cannot stop. 
because Christ loved me so much. I cannot quit because of how much he has done for me. As we close, for, for those who have not accepted what Christ has done this morning, can I say to you that all you must do is accept this gift. That's what we read in the Bible, that if thou shalt call upon the name, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, if thou shalt call upon his name, thou shalt be saved. It's as simple as that. He says, thou shalt be saved. It's no maybe, it's you will be saved. That very moment that you accept what Christ has done for you to take your place, the sin that you and I committed, Christ died for. And he took that for us. If you have not accepted what Christ has done for you this day, this is the time. This is the moment. God has spoken to us through his word. These are not my words. This is not my message. This is God's message to us. And he says, if you have not accepted that, this is the day. You don't, you're not promised even the next second of your life. And who knows? The very We could leave, you could go on to face eternity just in few moments even. And God says, this is your opportunity. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, now's the time. God is speaking to us. God is giving us this, this message of salvation, this gospel message, this hope. It is for you at this very moment. Don't turn away from it. God wants to know you. God wants to take you into His family. God wants you to know the life that He has for you. He created you for a purpose. And He wants you to know it this day. He wants you to see the life that He has for you that only He can fulfill. And for us that have accepted Christ as Savior, if you have accepted Christ as Savior this day, what will you do with this great love that Christ has shown to you? Will you, will you shake your fist in God's face Will, will you say to the one that died for you, I don't care that you died for me. I want to do what I want to do. I don't care that you gave everything so that I can have a, a life that is doing what you plan, what your perfect will. For. I don't care. I still want to do what I want to do. Will we do that to our Savior? Or will we say, for all that you have done for me, I'm going to live my life for you. For all the things that you've given for me, for the love that you've shown to me to die for my sins, I will choose this day that I will live for you and give my life for you. It's up to us. It's up to us. God is not going to force us to do anything. But what should be our motive? What should be the thing that drives us to keep serving God? Serving the one that died for us. It's the love of Christ. The love of Christ that he's shown to us. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your word. To hear from you, Lord. To know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, Lord. And to know that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. While we, we were yet enemies to you, you gave your life for us. Help us to serve you this day, Lord. Help us to give you 
our lives for all that you've done for us, Lord. There's one that's not saved here this morning. I pray that you would work on their hearts. You've spoken to us through your word. And we know this is their opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to it. Help them not to turn away from it. Lord, we don't know when you're coming back or when you will call us to eternity. Help us to take the opportunities you give to us and to respond to you. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. When I see the sunrise